0: I still think I was right. Uh, anyway, anyway, we'll see. Uh, anybody in here watching the Tour de France? Do I have anybody? Uh, a couple, okay, a couple people are with me. Okay, just, if you don't, fascinating sport. I think it's like the most fascinating sport that sporting event there is. So if you have verses and you have cable, click it on and, and watch it. So anyway, let's pray and then we'll get into our message time. The Tour de France part had nothing to do with our message. I, was, <laughs> I was just threw that in extra, okay? Let's pray. Hey, God, we're going to dig into your word, and we just uh, know and believe that there's something that you want each of us to uh, learn from it. You have this incredible way through your Holy Spirit to take truths from your word and uh, search our hearts and show us areas where we need to work on, where we need to grow, where we need to stretch. And so we ask for you to do that today. I just want to be a mouthpiece, and uh, may, may you provide the conviction and maybe walk out of here and uh, be better people and closer to you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, give me a show of hands of people who would, say, consider themselves to be a runner. Do we have any runners in here? Okay, loud and proud. Okay, some runners. All right, good. All right, how many people have uh, run a 5K before? All right, good deal. All right, half marathon. All right, a few less. Marathon. How many people have done marathon? Okay, very good. All right. A lot of runners in the house. All right. I did a little research. There's a guy in Greece named, I'm going to butch his name, uh, Yiannis Kouros of Greece. He holds the record. He ran uh, for running the longest distance without sleeping. Four hundred and fifty six miles in four days without sleeping uh, that 's some serious running. He, he went on, he was running a thousand miles, so after four hundred and fifty six he took a nap. so I, I guess you probably probably deserved that but um, i 'm not a runner. I do enjoy doing some cycling, but i just I, I do not like to run, kind of find it monotonous, and just can 't get into it. But all of us are runners in a spiritual sense. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to spend two weeks on the story of Jonah. And uh, when it comes to spiritual things, I believe all of us run. All of us either have run or are running or maybe will be running. But spiritually, there's just something about us where we run from God at times in our lives. And I was thinking about why we do that. Let me give you three quick reasons, I think, why we do that. One... I think we think we know more than God does sometimes. That we look at our situation and we believe, you know, this is the way that I would do it, God. You know, I, I'm the one. It's my life. I would think I would have a vested interest in this and should know what's going on. And somehow I think I may know about this more than you do. So I'm going to take things into my hands. So maybe you've waited for God for a job or for a spouse or for a pregnancy or for a promotion or for something and God didn't quite bring it in the way that you thought he should bring it or answer your prayer. So you're like, "Okay, God, I'll just take care of this myself because I think maybe I know more about this or will it's more important to me than it is to you." So sometimes we run from God when we just think we know more than God knows. Another reason, second reason we run from God is we want to be in control. we like to be in control. As, As Americans, it's kind of our thing. You know, the American dream is you go out and you get a job where you can make an income stream to, you know, have a house and a car or a couple cars and have kids. And then you get health insurance. Heaven forbid that anything would happen to your health, you can get that taken care of. You get car insurance. So if anything happens to your car, it can get taken care of. You get homeowner's insurance. So if anything happens to your home, that can get taken care of. Some people even have cell phone insurance, so if anything happens to their cell phone, they can get it taken care of. See, we build in all these all these parameters so that, you know, we got everything taken care of. You know, so we want to be in control. You know, anything happens, hey, I, you know, I got insurance for that. I got it covered. No big deal. I got everything taken care of. But interestingly enough, in the Bible, God never commands us to take control of everything. He says that Really, our lives are about surrendering to him and and allowing him to be in control. But there's something about Americans. We run because we like control. We just like to know that everything's covered. Nothing bad can happen. I've got it all taken care of. Another reason that I think we run is uh, what I call the, the grace loophole. Everyone at some point thinks that they've found out the grace loophole. And when they figure it out, they're like, oh, wow, like maybe no one's really thought of this. And the grace loophole is basically when when you're reading God's word that God will forgive you of your past sins, your present sins and your future sins. And then all of a sudden you're kind of thinking. So you're like, but I really want to go out with the guys tonight, but I know I'm not. But, you know, there's a loophole. If I go ahead and go out with the guys or go ahead and do, go to spring break and, with them or go ahead and do this or go ahead and pursue what I want to pursue, God has already promised that he's going to forgive me. So there's like a gigantic loophole that I've just figured out. So now I have the freedom to go do whatever I want to do and God's going to take care of it and then I'll just be sorry later, right? So when we do that, we run from God. We, we think, oh, well, we're smart. We've got this figured out. God didn't think about the loophole. God's already figured out the loophole, so we're all runners. We've all run. Either we are running or we have run. So the next two weeks, we're going to look at the story of Jonah. So if you have a Bible with you, would you, would you try to find the book of Jonah? I, I kind of say that. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say it that way. But Jonah is a, a small book in the Old Testament, so I'll give you some time to find through it. We'll also have the scripture passages on the screen. But today we're going to look at the story of Jonah, chapter 1. And we all know the story of Jonah. We learned when we were a little kid that Jonah got swallowed by a giant fish, Right? So today we're going to look at what happened before that. We're going to save the fish part for later. And if you didn't know that, Jonah got swallowed by a big fish. I kind of ruined the whole story for you. But anyway, that's next week. This week we're going to talk about the pre-fish eating part, all right? So we're going to jump into Jonah's story. And if we think of ourselves as runners, some people are like running from God totally, and, and maybe, you know, maybe you're here today, and maybe you don't even know if you believe the Bible. You believe in this whole God thing, Jesus' son dying on the cross. Maybe you're here today because somebody invited you. Maybe they promised you lunch. Maybe the person you're sitting beside is really cute, and so you came. But 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 there are people that are just running from God. Like, I don't want anything to do with God. I'm running as far away as I can. There are other people that say, well, I, I we believe all the, the right things, but, but maybe there's an area in our lives where we don't really like want to turn it over to God. A, a part of our lives, something that God may ask us to do, something that God may ask us to stop doing... A relationship that we shouldn't be involved in, a habit that we have. And we're not really ready to like surrender that over to God. So we kind of like hide that small part of it. So we wouldn't say we're all out running from God, but in reality we are kind of running from God because we don't want to totally turn all of our life and surrender everything to him. We want to keep a part of it to ourselves. So we run. Spiritually we run. Just like we're going to see in the story of Jonah, we run. And and I'm going to tell you the main point of what we're going to see in the story of Jonah, and it's the whole point of this message. And so if you miss anything else, don't miss this one point. So if you're texting or trying to figure out what you're doing for lunch or not paying attention, just give me like 15 seconds here. And then you can say, when someone asks you what the sermon was about, at least you'll know this part. Okay? So here's what we're going to see in the story of Jonah. You can run from God, but you can't outrun God. You can run from God, you can go any direction, you can run, 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 but you can never, ever, ever outrun God. That's what we're going to see in the story of Jonah. So we're going to pick it up here in Jonah chapter 1, and we see Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Now, Jonah was a prophet, and in the Old Testament, prophets were kind of like the mouthpiece of God. So they didn't, they didn't have a Bible. They couldn't go out and have a Bible or read a Bible like you and I can now. This is before Jesus uh, came to earth and died on the cross. So this is Old Testament times. God used prophets to be the mouthpiece for him. Okay, so verse 2, this is Jonah talking, God talked to the prophets, so God says to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because of its wickedness, because its wickedness has come up before me. So God gave Jonah, who was a prophet, an assignment, and that assignment was something that he didn't want to do. Now, sometimes we get assignments from God that we don't want to do, or God asks us to do things that we don't want to do. So Jonah gets asked to do something, and he doesn't want to do it. So we're going to see what he does. So. He's asked to go to the city of Nineveh, and Nineveh is a city about 500 miles away. It used to be under Assyrian control, and it was about, it was northeast of where Jonah was living. And if you're a history buff and you want to find more about the wickedness that was going on in Nineveh, you can go to the book of Nahum in the Old Testament. It talks a little bit more about what was going on in uh, Nineveh, but there was all these wicked things going on. I don't know. So whatever you think, like, is a wicked city, you know, Las Vegas, I don't know, LA. I mean, you pick your own wicked city, and you know, that can be like your wicked city, all right? But for Jonah, the biggest issue for him wasn't what was going on there, but it was who the people were. He was Jewish, and the people there were not Jewish. They were Gentiles. So now think of it in, what is that group of people, and hopefully, you know, we're we're not like biased or racial or stereotypical people, but you you know when there's two groups of people that just don't really get along or see eye to eye, and that was the Jews and the Gentiles. So not only was he supposed to go to the city of Nineveh, but the Jews didn't really like the Gentiles, so it was the kind of people that were even in the city. And so Jonah gets this assignment from God, and he's like, he's not really wanting to do it. He's just not into it. All right, so verse three. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish so basically he didn't listen to God. He disobeyed God and did something completely different. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port, and after paying the fare, he went ahead and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. That was his motive, to get as far away from as possible from God, to run from God, because he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. Now, Tarshish... City of Tarshish is now the modern day Spain, and would have been about twenty five hundred miles to the west of Joppa, where he was sailing from. And at this time in the history of mankind, this was the farthest known western point of the world that you could get. Okay, so this is like us going to Antarctica or the other side of the world, or you know whatever that phrase is. However, you would get as far away as you could possibly get. That is what Jonah is doing. He is basically going as far as he possibly can from God that that maybe, you know, God's going to forget about this or maybe God's not in Tarshish or, uh, you know, I don't know what what he's thinking. So he gets on a boat to hide. But what he finds out is that he can run from God, but he can never outrun God. So before we go on more in the story, though, I... I think there are mistakes that I, I want to point out that when we run from God that all of us make. Either we've made them before, or we will make them, or we are making them. Let me share these three with you. First mistake, whenever you run from God, you lose your moral compass. So what you think is right, or what you think is correct, whenever you run from God, that just gets all whacked out. Like, so if you've ever looked at a compass that's broken, it's supposed to be pointing north, but when it doesn't point north, then... Like, it it doesn't really, it's not really helpful. I'm kind of real big on the. whenever I look at a map, I like north to be up. My wife thinks that's a little anal, but sometimes I'll find maps and, like, north is pointing to the right. And I'm always like, what what is this? So, you you know, because north always points up. Um, If I could tell a story of my wife, when we were in college, she was going home. From uh, We went to Cincinnati Christian University, she was traveling home, and uh, just north of Cincinnati, there are two interstates, she's on 75, and Interstate 74 cuts off to go to the left, and it's kind of a difficult exit to see, and it says Indianapolis, well Pam grew up in Bloomington, and she was going to Bloomington, she said she knew she wasn't going to Indianapolis, she didn't want to go to Indianapolis, so she didn't get on Interstate 74 to go to Indianapolis, because she was going to Bloomington, so she kept going straight, which takes you to Dayton, Ohio, so somewhere around Dayton, Ohio, about an hour later, she realizes, I don't think I'm, this road is taking me where I thought it was taking me. So I'm picking on my wife. But, you know, in the spiritual sense, we've all been there before, haven't we? When we run from God, you lose your moral compass because the things you think are right then end up not being correct. Let me give you an example. It's, it's the young female that, that's going to remain a virgin and, until the day that she's married until she meets Mr. Perfect like the first week of college who happens to be charming and gorgeous and have everything that she thought and then all of a sudden it's like, "Well, I knew I said that, but you know, it, we rationalize everything." So, we all seem to do that. I mean, whoever expects or decides that they're going to cheat on their taxes. I mean, who who says, "I'm going to make a decision to put my job before my family?" Or who says, you know, I think think I'm going to decide to have an affair. Or I'm going to stop going to church. Or I'm I'm going to just quit believing in God. Those things just kind of aren't usually one decision. It's when we run from God, we kind of lose our moral compass. And we we run from God and then the things that we have thought were wrong now seem right. It's just what happens when we run. Here's another mistake. When we run, we always run the wrong way. No one ever runs from God and runs the right way. We're always running the wrong way. My daughter Lyric is uh, here this summer. Uh, She goes to college down in Evansville. But uh, she's been getting used to the one-way streets here in Bloomington. And uh, uh, I think she's been with Ashton before. And Ashton will text, like, Lyric's going down the wrong way, Dad. And so uh, she's had some situations where she was going completely the wrong way. But when we run from God, we always go the wrong way. I mean, that's just part of of what we do. A couple summers ago, our family went to New York City for a week. It was the first time we'd ever been there. It was fascinating. So I'm like, if we go to New York City, we have to see Yankee Stadium. So I'm loading everybody up in the subway, and we are going to go see Yankee Stadium. Now, I'm not very good at reading the subway maps. I don't know. I'm just not from New York. Maybe you're good at reading them, but I look at them, and they've got colors going every direction. We're on the wrong subway So obviously we get off at the wrong stop on the wrong subway. So we get off and we're like two miles from Yankee Stadium in a very not nice neighborhood. Okay, let's say that. So at that point, my wife is not very happy with me because somebody says, yeah, Yankee Stadium is like two miles that way. So here we go. We're just walking, you know, looking totally like tourists walking through these neighborhoods. But um, whenever you run from God, you always go the wrong way. I mean, it's not where you want to go. It's not where you think you're going. It's not where you intend to go. It's just where you run from God. All right, the third mistake we make when we run from God, and this may be the saddest one, we remove ourselves from God's will and plan. Because God's word says that, you know, God has a plan for your life. Now, it didn't say it was going to be easy. It didn't say you're going to be a millionaire. It didn't say it was always going to be a piece of cake. But God has a plan for your life, a plan to give you hope A plan where you could live with joy, where you could experience peace. And whenever we run from God, we always run the wrong way and we remove ourselves from God's plan. We're outside of it because we have chosen not to obey, not to listen, but to do our own thing, to chart our own course. And it's always the wrong direction and outside the will of God. So let's go back to the, the story of Jonah now, that we understand those three mistakes, because you're going to see these things play out in Jonah's decision. Jonah chapter 1, verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and the wind wasn't a coincidence, because the Lord sent it. And such a violent storm arose, the ship threatened to break up, and all the sailors were afraid and tried, cried out to his own God. Now, A sailor in this time of of history would have been a pretty tough dude. I mean, these are not like wimpy guys that decide to get on these ships and sail. I mean, the ships were... They, they, they were not like the ships we have today. So you can think this was a very, very dangerous occupation. This was a very, very dangerous thing to do. They were gone for long periods of time. It was not uncommon for ships to sink, and, but it was also very lucrative. And so if they were doing this, they were hoping to make money by taking goods from one area to another area. So these are pretty tough men, but the storm comes up, and even these guys are scared. Look at the second part of verse 5. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. That's the whole point of sailing. That's the whole, like they're taking their money. They're taking their paycheck for the next four months. They're taking the very reason that they're on this ship. And they're so scared that they're throwing it overboard, hoping that the ship would lighten, would be able to come up out of the water a little more. And the storm wouldn't throw it, throw it around as much. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. I mean, they're trying anything at this point. Maybe He will notice us and we will not perish because they all thought they were going to die. Verse 7. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. Now, casting lots was. A form of divination that was used during this period to, to, to kind of make choices on things that, that people couldn't quite figure out. In, in some ways, if you could equate it um, to a modern day Ouija board, I mean that's a similar kind of thing where you're asking questions of the spiritual world and you're asking for um, one to be chosen or something to be pointed out. So that's what these sailors do. Second part of verse 7, they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Uh-oh. You can kind of hear the music. Dun, da-dun, dun. I mean, that, that, that's kind of what would have been going on there. So Jonah's starting to think, oh, this is not looking good. But Jonah knew. I mean, he knew this wasn't a coincidence. He knew he was running from God. But Jonah knew that God was trying to catch up with him, to track him down, that he couldn't outrun God. Look at verse 8 now. So they ask Jonah, tell us, Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. Which I'm thinking, he's thinking at that point, which I should have stayed on instead of getting in the boat. It's a little late now. Verse 10, this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? See, they even knew that that there was something connected, that this guy must have done something there was something about it that they even knew that he's done something. What has he done? And and Jonah knew what was going on. Verse 11, the sea was getting rougher and rougher, so they asked him, now this is good, look at this, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? So at that point, it's like an me versus them kind of thing, right? I mean, they're not like, hey, can you help us kind of save the boat? They're no, no, what can we do to you so that we can all live? Like, we're not worried about you, okay? I mean, we're writing you off, okay? But if, you can, if, we, if there's anything that can save us, we're willing to, like, throw you under the bus at this point, okay? Whatever it has to do, if we can live, we'll just get rid of you. So that's what's going on. So Jonah realized what all of us at some point realize that this is pointless. You know what? I'm running from God, but this is futile. I'm trying to run and get away from God who wants me to do something that I don't want to do, but I'm trying to run from God, but because of his grace and his mercy to me, I can't outrun God. Because God will allow consequences to happen to us that, that, that will bring us back to him. This is what I wrote down in my notes. God will allow consequences far beyond your ability to predict or outwit him to bring you back. Now, God does that because of his love for us, because he cares for us that much. It's not that he just wants to chase us. It's not that, 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 you know, it's like a game to him. Because he cares so much for us that he's willing to be there and and wait for us. So let's finish chapter 1 here, starting in verse 12. We'll go through these last five verses. It says, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Jonah replied. Jonah's thinking, I might as well just die. And he says, it will become calm. And I know that this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their very best to row back to land, but they could not. And the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, now, so now they're crying out to the Lord, okay? So now these guys are believers. It's gotten so bad that they had all their gods, and, and now, now they're even believing in God that it's this bad. And they say, oh, Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man's life, which is kind of a funny prayer. It's like, you know, asking God, we, we know what we're going to do is not a good thing, but please forgive us before we do it. Okay, anyway. Uh, do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O Lord, have done as you pleased. Verse 15. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. I mean, imagine what that was like for a second, that that, that all this is going on, they think they're going to die, they take Jonah, they throw him overboard, and then, shh, there's a hush. I mean, the waves calm down, and the wind dies down. And I mean, these guys, I mean, I'm thinking they're sweating, they've probably been up for 48 hours trying to keep this boat together. And then all of a sudden they throw Jonah overboard and it's calm. Verse 16, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So at that point also, Jonah remembered a very valuable lesson that when you run from God, God doesn't chase you. God waits for you. And he realized, you know, I'm trying to get as far away from from God as I can. And I'm realizing that I can't outrun God. But I also realized that God isn't chasing me. God is just waiting for me. He's waiting for me to quit running. Do you know why God sent the storm? Do you know why God allowed those things to happen? It was because of his love for Jonah. It was because of his love for the people in Nineveh. And God does the very same thing in our lives. Do you know why God allows difficult situations in our lives? Marriages that unravel, financial hardships. Maybe you're alienated from one of your children. Maybe your prayers seemingly go unanswered. God is not trying to pay you back. God is trying to bring you back. God allows things to happen in our lives to, to realize that we can never outrun God, that he is always there waiting For us. No matter where we go, no matter how we try, no matter how fast we run, that God will still be there. One of my favorite movies is uh, Forrest Gump. And I know it's kind of an old movie and kind of shows my age, but uh, my son Keaton. recorded on TNT when it was on a couple weeks ago, and we were watching it, and we were just laughing and laughing. I mean, I just love all the great things in that movie. And you know there's a theme in the movie with Forrest where he's running. I mean, as a child, he runs, and he's got the braces on, and the the, the bullies in the neighborhood are chasing him on bikes, and his braces come off. Then he goes to the University of Alabama, and he just can run a football like nobody has ever seen before. And then later in the movie he's, he's an adult and um, he's with Jenny and he gets chased again by the same kids and now they're, they're grown down the driveway. And, and then there's that point in the movie where he just decides to run. He doesn't really know why. He just runs. And you remember, he runs and all these crazy things happen. The guy with the t-shirt, um, that have a nice day, and he gets the mud on it. And, well, anyway, if you've seen the movie, you understand that. But, but at the very end of the movie, there's that great scene where they're, like, out in the desert. I don't know if it's in Arizona, New Mexico, or whatever. And, like, all these people are now following him, thinking he's, like, some kind of guru that has all this wisdom you know, maybe even a religious leader or something. And he d- he's just running. He doesn't know why he's running. But I love the end of it, how, how it ends and when he stops. And so we're going to take a quick, we're going to show that clip. This is just the final part. Watch and listen. My mom always said, you got to put the past behind you before you can move on. And I think that's what my running was all about. I had run for three years, two months, 14 days and 16 hours. Quiet, quiet, he's gonna say something. pretty tired think i'll go home now love how they just kind of part, you know, like parting of the sea, and he just walks back. But that phrase that he says there, kind of tired, I think I'll go home now, I think that really applies to the story of Jonah, and it applies to all of us who run from God, because at some point when we realize that we can't ever really outrun God, at some point we get, I know in my life I get to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm kind of tired of doing this. It's not worked out the way that I thought. I thought I was really smart and knew better than God did and wanted to be in control. I get to a point where it's like, you know what? It's just, it's, I'm tired. And, And when we say, you know what? I think I just want to go home. God has been there the whole time with his arms open wide, wanting us, waiting for us, and loving us to want to embrace us and bring us back into relationship with him. My, my prayer through this week, as I've thought about this message, has been that there would be some people here today that would stop running. That my prayer is that some of you, whatever situation you're in, th- that you would go, you know what, I've just been running from God and I'm tired. I think I'll go home now. Because when we do, the beauty of the cross is that that God is there to love us, to embrace us, to accept us, no matter what's gone on, no matter how far we've run, no matter how fast we've run, no matter where we've ended up, the beauty and the grace of the cross is that God is there. Three things that I want you, three questions I want you to consider, okay? You're the only one that knows the answer to this. First question, where or what is your Nineveh? In other words, what are you running from? What's in your life that you like? uh, Something that God wants you to do, something he wants you to stop, um, a habit, a relationship, something's going on. What is your Nineveh? What are you running from? Second question is, what is your Tarshish? That is, what are you running to? It it helps to realize and figure that out. This is what I'm running to. I'm running away from God, and this is what I'm running to. And, And what you're running to... Probably isn't going to be very fulfilling. It's probably not going to lead to where you think it's going to lead to. It's probably going to be more frustration because it's running away from God. And the third question is how is God trying to get your attention and call you back from running? I hope everyone in here today can just wrestle with those questions, figure out what the answers are, and honestly ask God, you know, God, I'm tired of running. I'm tired. I just want to go home. Would you stand up with me? I want to lead us in a prayer. Father God, um, all of us, the Bible says, are guilty of of running. Another way the Bible puts it is all of us have sinned. All of us have turned from you. We've all made mistakes. There is no one that's perfect. But Father, the beauty of of the gospel, the beauty of the message of the cross is that you sent your son to die for our sinfulness. That we could come home. That we could come home running. And that you have a plan for us. Y- you desire to be in relationship with us. And, and in that relationship is where we find peace. Is where we find hope. Is where we find fulfillment. And nowhere else can it be found. And my prayer today is that there are people that would come home. Maybe for the very first time, maybe because they have no relationship with you at all, or maybe because there's an area of their lives that they're kind of holding back and and that you would help them to see that they can run and run and run, but they can never outrun you. And you're not chasing them down, but you're just there waiting for them because of your great love. Father, that is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen.